Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight, we had Beam Suntory in the house with the legendary Simon Brooking at the helm with Joe Jameson. They tasted us through four of their single malt whiskey expressions and then the sherries that these whiskeys are finished in. It was a masterclass in barrel finishing. Check it out. Tell your friends about the Spirit Guide Society podcast. We hope you enjoy this responsibly. That means don't get too drunk. been lucky enough to learn um, a, a lot from Mr. Brooking um, over the last two years. And um, if you uh, have not been to one of his presentations before, you're in for a treat tonight. Without, he's asked me to, uh, to uh, be by his side, so I'm really honored to, to be doing this with you tonight. So thank you. And I want to introduce Simon Brooking. The stills are alive <laughs> with the sound of whiskey, with songs they have sung for a thousand years. The stills fill my mouth with a taste of whiskey, a taste that allays all my hurts and fears. The stills are alive with this taste of whiskey. I'll shut up now. Let's drink some more. All right, there we go. me a prop, uh, yeah. you know. Anyway, uh, good evening. Uh, welcome. Uh, welcome to Bar Jackalope and Seven Grand. Uh, I am the Beam Suntory Scotch Ambassador. Uh, thank you very much for having us here this evening. Thank you for supporting the whiskey industry. And tonight, thank you for supporting the sherry industry. It's a big challenge. Uh, sherry is a, a much maligned uh, spirit, uh, but it is such a big part of the Scotch industry. I mean, historically and uh, it was really the sherry casks uh, that really uh, were the foundation of, of so many distilleries because sherry was the, the drink of fashion in the 19th century. Um, and, uh, but for us, uh, we uh, use a, a combination of sherry casks. I say, tr uh, you know, and a lot of times people, oh yes, Oloroso sherry, but have they tried it? Uh, PX casks, Madeira, uh, Manzanilla. And so what we thought would be fun tonight was to taste those elements uh, that uh, profoundly impact the styles of the spirit. So the, the welcome punch that you guys uh, enjoyed um, or are enjoying right now, depending on uh, what kind of mood you're in, um, <laughs> is uh, made with Lafroy Select. Um, so uh, this is a pretty unique whiskey in terms of the Lafroy portfolio in that it is actually the most complex in terms of the, type, the amount of different types of casts to go into creating it. So select, actually, we have this really cool toolkit over here that helps you remember everything. That's why I like it. Um, and it, uh, this really goes to show you the amount of, type, uh, of diverse oak that goes into select. Five different types of casts. Um, the, the base point for most all of all Lafroigs is going to be an eight-year-old bourbon uh, cast. So we have, uh, we have used American oak, first fill bourbon barrels, 53 gallon. Additionally... Quarter cask, quarter cask makes up, we're not tasting the quarter cask tonight, the Lafroy quarter cask, I know. Um, but that does account for um, a good amount of production at Lafroig. About 15% of production at Lafroig is the quarter cask. And as you'll notice, the height of the American oak 53-gallon bourbon barrel and the quarter cask are the same height. So what you're doing when you take a quarter cask is essentially stripping a few staves out of the bourbon barrel, reassembling it so it's actually the same height. It's not a smaller uh, quarter cask. And that's just really about um, warehouse maintenance, being able to load in and load out of the same size uh, uh, racks. Um, so uh, in addition to the, uh, the American oak and quarter cask, we also have virgin American oak, which is a very unique flavor profile for scotch. Uh, there are a few examples out there that are coming more and more out into the market. 
Um, but that really, really gives a, uh, a unique flavor of scotch, seeing that used bourbon barrels are the starting point for almost all. Uh, and then we have two different types of sherry, which is uh, fitting for tonight. We have PX, um, Pedro Jimenez, and Oloroso sherry. And those are uh, 500 liter size sherry butts is what they're called. And uh, going back to the quarter cask, quarter cask is not a quarter of the size of a bourbon barrel. It is the quarter of the size of a sherry butt. So 500 liters sherry butt, 125 liters quarter cask. That's what quarter cask originally got its name from. So uh, the select um, is unique in that it uses, yes, all of these barrels, but it also benefits from two different types of aging called consecutive and uh, parallel. So some scotches are, uh, if they have different types of oak used in it, will go from one cask straight into another cask, like quarter cask. Spends about eight years in a used bourbon barrel and then jumps into a quarter cask for an additional five years. Uh, with, with select, you have that, but you also have parallel aging. So alongside that, at the same time, we're filling one cask with uh, sherry and then another sherry, and then we're blending all five of these casts at the end. So it, it, it has two different types of aging happen at the same time, which is pretty unique for scotch. And I think now what we're gonna do is if everyone has their first sherry. A uh, little bit of background, uh, Oloroso sherry, um, Jerez, uh, what's known as the sherry triangle in Spain. Uh, from uh, Jerez in the central portion of the triangle, uh, you've got uh, Puerta de Santa Maria in the north, San Luca de Barameda to the south uh, west. Uh, each of these regions within the Sherry Triangle have got uh, regional differences. Uh, the the uh, Manzanilla that we'll be tasting comes from San Luca de Barameda, which is the most humid, warmest region in the Sherry Triangle uh, and produces a different style of uh, Sherry unique to Manzanilla itself. Uh, but we, we wanted to start you off with uh, the Oloroso with a Beaumore 15 year. The Beaumore 15 is 12 years in bourbon and then an additional three years in uh, Oloroso sherry cask. We like to talk about Beaumore as being the, the balanced uh, Isla whiskey um, in comparison to say kind of the bigger, meatier style that you're gonna find with Laphroaig or uh, Ardbeg or Lagavulin. Mm. Um, and they're also the phenolic quality, the smoke that you're gonna find with Beaumore is around 22 mm. parts per million versus what you're gonna get with um, Laphroaig is gonna be upwards of 39 to 41 parts per million. We're also tasting uh, uh, Ockentosh in tonight as well. No peat in that whatsoever. It's a lowland whiskey. Uh, they do not use the peat to dry the barley. So um, as we go through these tastings tonight, um, a couple of things to keep in mind. First of all, uh, we, we can nose them side by side. Uh, when you nose the whiskey, get your nose into the glass and part your lips. Uh, I'll demonstrate like this. To the other side of the room. Because <laughs> when you nose it with your mouth closed, you're getting full alcohol, it numbs the senses, anesthetizes your nose and makes your head kick back. Now you might like that experience. <laughs> but for the sake of getting more of the layers of the spirit, breathe into your nose with your mouth open. Um, and when we taste the whiskey, the other tip is, and the share, the other tip is this. Um, when you sip, generally you sip at the front of the mouth. Where else would you sip? But what you're getting at the front of the mouth is not only the sweet, which is fine, but you're also getting the heat, the alcohol sensors in the front part of your mouth. So when we taste this, I'm going to ask you to place it more towards the middle of the tongue. It's going to bypass the heat sensors. You're going to get more of the flavor, less of the burn. Um, so uh, we're going to start with the sherry, the Oloroso sherry there. Uh, and here's the first toast of the night. Saluda, dinero, amor, y el tiempo para conquistarla todo. Hey, what did I say? Health, wealth, love, and the time to conquer all. Cheers. So uh, also what you'll notice on the temperature of these, we've chilled them all slightly. It's just uh, tradition uh, in, in Jerez. Um, we... we you, typically, you're enjoying these either before a meal or after a meal, depending on the, the sweetness. This is a, a dry Oloroso, so uh, you should get a little bit of a chill on this, which is how traditionally it would be consumed. So, so an, uh, an Oloroso, the, the life of a sherry, it starts out um, when, uh, the, uh, when it is fortified. It is, uh, in the first couple of years, it's called an añanda, uh, and it's actually not, they don't even sell it uh, as general sales. 
But um, then as it continues to, uh, to age in the cask, it sets up what's called the floor, uh, F-L-O-R, which is a foam cap uh, in, uh, in the cask on top of the liquid. Uh, and that essentially cuts off any kind of oxygenation. Uh, and so as it continues to mature, as you start moving into uh, four and five years, that's when you're, you'll get something like uh, a, uh, an amontillado, where some of that floor, some of that foam cap uh, breaks away and moves off. So now you start to get some oxygenation. The barrels start to breathe uh, some of that through that wood. Um, by about six to seven years, all of that floor is gone, and now you've got an Oloroso. An Oloroso behaves more like, for me, an Oloroso behaves like a whiskey in a barrel because of that oxygenation, because the barrels now are going to, they're, they're going to in, uh, uh, inhalation and exhalation of the barrels. Um, whereas a, 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 a Fino, which is uh, the youngest, um, that's at about three to four years, uh, they've still got that floor cap to it. Um, and so it behaves more like a beer uh, when you get those nutty flavors. Uh, and I'm happy to announce, for those that know the Lefroig uh, Karchus, the yearly bottlings, uh, the uh, 2018 Karchus will be a fino, um, a fino finished uh, Lefroig. Eight years bourbon, and then it's going into fino. And I'll be there next week for the festival. And uh, we'll be able to bring some bottles back and do, do it all again here. Mm, how right. does that sound? Okay, so, um, so you had the taste of the Oloroso there. Um, and, the no and go ahead and nose the two side by side as well. Should be finding some familiarity yeah. between the two. With the and uh, so the Beaumont, the oldest licensed uh, warehouse in Scotland at 1779. Um, the distillery uh, was the Simpson family. Um, the island uh, was, uh, the community of Beaumont was started back in the 1750s. Uh, Daniel Campbell, the elder, um, uh, started the community um, and moved uh, from what was Bridgend on Isla to the, to the Beaumont portion. He built a church, a circular church at the top of the road and at the bottom of the road, uh, he asked uh, Simpson to build the distillery, uh, just to balance out. You got a <laughs> church and state, um, and uh, so the, when you're in the number one warehouse of Beaumont, uh, which is the one closest to the sea, uh, you'll see a, a water line, basically about chest level, um, because the water will get that high, the the tides will get that high. And there are times there'll be some seawater uh, the, on the floor of the number one warehouse. At that altitude, or lack thereof, um, the whiskies will age very differently compared to higher uh, altitude. You know, we've got the, uh, the um, Ardmore distillery in the Highlands, which is one of the highest distilleries. At that higher altitude, the, the barrels are going to behave very differently from a, a low altitude. And particularly in a cooler, damper climate, it allows the whiskies to a much gentler maturation process. That's why, you know, we use, uh, at Lefroig, we use Maker's Bark bourbon barrels. They're going to use them once, six years. Then they'll send them over to us. Um, and it allow, and but a, a bourbon barrel maturing in Kentucky, it's a much more robust maturation. Uh, in the summer, it forces the whiskey into the wood, and the winter contracts, and it's a very active uh, maturation. Come to cool Scotland, cool damper uh, Isla, it's very gentle, and it creates some very interesting flavors. Um, uh, and particularly when you start moving into 20-plus years uh, in these warehouses, you start getting these tropical fruit notes, uh, pineapple, um, uh, guava. Uh, and we're not doing anything to the, the casks, but that's just it's uh, the location by the sea uh, with this spirit. So this is Beaumont. Beaumont means uh, the big rock or the big reef. It lies just off, uh, uh, off the coast there, the shoreline of the distillery, uh, makes it a perfect place uh, to harbor ships uh, in what's called Loch Indal. Indal means in delay, so it's a, a safe harbor for the ships to come in. And I think there's a lovely, this is, this is a safe harbor uh, to this whiskey here. So let's have a taste, let's have a toast. And here's the, may the best you've ever seen be the worst you'll ever see. May a mouse never leave your pantry with a teardrop in his e. May you all be hail and hearty till you're old enough to die. May I wish you all the best as I wish you all to be. Slanja. One more. Slanja. Fifteen.
Now, I would say uh, you're probably going to pull out more of the sherry casks mm -hmm. this time, having tasted the Oloroso sherry. Um, and as we were saying, the, the sherry casks in, the, in the, the 19th century, they were coming up from Spain, uh, and uh, they would go across the, the, the Bay of Biscay, and uh, if they would head up along the, the, the French coast and head up towards Germany, or they go directly north between Ireland and Scotland, uh, up the, the Firth of Clyde in Scotland, uh, and uh, because Glasgow itself is a big shipping center at this time, uh, and the sherry would be offloaded and go throughout Scotland. Uh, we would empty the casks, and uh, here's a perfect container to bring our whiskey from the stills to the market. We weren't waiting 15 years back then, um, and it was usually going to market anywhere from 160 to 180 proof. Now, that's just the way I like it, but for a lot of folks, it's, uh, it's a wee bit too hot. So a lot of the shopkeepers in Glasgow and Edinburgh were blending teas for their customers. So what they thought they could do is blend these different whiskies that were being uh, coming down from the hills when whiskey was legalized in 1823. They were marrying all those different single malts and then adding into it a neutral grain spirit that was being produced through a different kind of distillation. Single malts made one batch at a time. A ton of grain should yield about 440 liters of spirit. And then we make the next batch. So it's a batch system. It's not very efficient. So an Irishman by the name of Aeneas Coffey designs a still, the coffee still, uh, but it's also called a column still or a continuous still, where you shovel in grain 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you can make uh, this neutral grain spirit. You add that in with the different single malts, and that was the birth of blended scotch. Those early shopkeepers blending teas that was the Dewar's family. That was the Walker family, the teacher's family. And they became the preeminent blenders of their time. When Scotch really came into his own was 1880s. The drink of fashion was brandy and soda. But the phylloxera plague wiped out all the vineyards of France, so there were no grapes available. So there was no brandy available. So that's when Scotch and soda became the drink of fashion. And because the British Empire at that point stretched throughout the world, that's when Scotch really took off. So we'll raise a glass to that beetle here this evening. Otherwise, we'd be drinking brandy and much rather be drinking whiskey and sherry. That's a, the, so uh, to, to the, to the uh, phylloxera plague. I would, uh, I, would, I would also add on to that that uh, it's often said that in the 60s, the Beatles changed everything. And I think you can say the same for the 1860s. <laughs> that's right. Ooh, that's yeah. good. Yeah, right. oh, I like that. Yeah. Right. Right. Just off the cup like that. Um, so, so that's our Beaumore, uh, 12 years bourbon, three in, in uh, Oloroso Sherry. If you would like to dump or dump, uh, we will move on to our, our, next, our next pairing. So the silver tins in the center of most of the tables are going to be the dump buckets, and you're welcome to use some of the water from the pints or from your own water, kind of rinse out your glass. I usually rinse it and drink the water because it has some reminiscent flavors and it keeps you hydrated as well. Good, good point. Uh, and when we're when we're sampling the casks uh, uh, in the warehouses, we're nosing the whiskey. But when it comes to actually tasting, we'll add water and bring it down to twenty percent alcohol. Twenty percent. That's a, that's a lot. Uh, but what you do is you'll you'll find the um, you find the depth of the spirit that way. You find all these other flavors that are deep within the whiskey um, that you don't always necessarily find at the higher strength. So I'm going to come around with our sherry. We have a Pedro Jimenez, very popular and very delicious sherry. So think about which one's your whiskey glass and which one's your sherry glass. glass. Yeah, they, glass. you might be able to get them go. confused because the sherry influence sometimes can be uh, very apparent in, more, in some of these more than others. But... Uh, See if you can call to mind some of the notes that you were getting with the, with, the, with the Oloroso because the next whiskey we're tasting actually has both PX and Oloroso in it. So uh, just keep that in mind as you taste this next one. Yeah. Yes. Does everyone have? Everybody has, uh, has a PX and Ockintosh and Three Wood, yes? Excellent. All right, so... Um, a Texan... Australian and a Scotsman are in the jungle drinking their whiskey. Uh -oh. And suddenly a fly drops into each of their glasses. And the Texan takes out his Bowie knife and with one deft swoop, pulls the knife out of the glass. Uh, and then the Australian pulls out his 
his his bull whip and cracking pulls the, the fly out of his glass with one one whip and uh, the Scotsman goes into the glass pulls the fly out with by the wings and says spit it out you wee devil spit it out <laughs> we are very thrifty in Scotland we are very stingy copper wire was invented by two Scotsmen fighting over a penny um, <laughs> and um, it kind of brings to mind this whiskey uh, when, we, when, we, when we come to Auchentosh, and because Auchentosh, this bottling was actually a mistake um, that we have capitalized on. Um, but uh, before we get to that, uh, well, you know, I, I should talk about Auchentosh and Three Wood. The story of the Auchentosh and Three Wood, our master blender, Ian McCallum, um, had put in uh, a request. It was a bank holiday weekend, so it was a long weekend, to the boys in the filling station. Uh, to uh, fill from bourbon into uh, Oloroso sherry casks. And the boys, in their haste to get out for the weekend, uh, neglected to look uh, at, look for the very small stamp that goes on the barrel that denotes a PX cask. So all these PX casks were filled, um, much to the chagrin of Mr. Mc, uh, McCallum. Um, he was either going to lose his job or here we are 20 plus years later, still talking about what I think is one of the classic Auchentoshans, this uh, three wood. Uh, it's using a combination of bourbon, Oloroso sherry, and a PX cask as well. Um, so, uh, you know, out of adversity com comes triumph, right? Uh, PX, uh, the, the PX, um, the Pedro Jimenez uh, is the sweetest of the sherries. Um, the, uh, the, the grapes are left on the vine the longest during the growing season. The Albaritha soil, which is this white uh, diatomic soil, uh, very dry, but because it's all white, it reflects the light and it's, you're it increases the sugars. So the sugars that you're, the sweetness that you're going to pull out of this PX, uh, this Lustau PX, um, comes from that time spent on, on the vine uh, to create. Uh, a, a taste profile that John Campbell likes to call it gloopy. Um, <laughs> I think it speaks very highly of, of, of that, uh, that sweetness. Uh, so uh, this, let's have a taste of the PX first. You've had the Oloroso already. Now here's the PX, um, and here's the toast. Arriba, al bajo, al centro y al dentro. <laughs> Salud. Salud. Dark, dark raisins, honey, uh, <laughs> some, a little nutty. Oh, this, this sparks some conversation. Uh, and so, so, uh, so that is um, that sweetness. The sherry cask. Now let's see how it it brings it to. The Auchentosh and Three Wood. Uh, and, uh, and here's a toast. Auchentosh from the Lowlands. Uh, you know, Robbie Burns, the poet lord of Scotland. You know him because he wrote uh, Coming Through the Rye and Old Lang Syne. Um, so uh, this is a, a Lowland toast. goes, uh, here's a bottle and an honest man. What you wish you wish for more. Who knows when his life may end, what his share may be a care. Then catch the moments as they fly and use them as you ought. Believe me, happiness is shy and comes out always when sought. Auchentosh. So you will be picking up uh, both the, the Oloroso and the PX with the Auchentosh. And the, as Simon said, the unique thing with Auchentosh that is different from all other Scotch whiskeys is that it's triple distilled. There are, I think, maybe... Some other triple distilled Scottish whiskeys, but this is the only distillery that triple distills every single whiskey that they make. And that makes the importance of wood uh, even more important because when you triple distilling versus double distilling, you're purifying it essentially even more so. So the, the contact with the wood is going to be uh, even, more, even more apparent with a triple distilled whiskey. And so Akintoshin is going to be investing uh, a lot more in their oak program, and they're not afraid to get the most quality and spend a little bit more money on, on any type of oak that they can get. Um, so that is why triple distillation in this case, and this whiskey that we're drinking right now, is a good thing. 
Well, and, and triple distillation, in the lowlands, there were more distilleries that were triple distilling in, in the 19th century because uh, the, most of that spirit was going south, going to that country to the south of us, which will remain nameless. <laughs> um, but, uh, but also, when during the legalization of, of, of uh, whiskey in 1823, there was a lot of exchange that was also going on with uh, Ireland as well. Um, and so we borrowed some of those, the, the, the Irish styles using triple distillation. Now, not all Irish whiskey is triple distilled. We have within our company, uh, Kilbegan, uh, Tyrconnell, Connemara, those are all double distilled Irish. Um, but that exchange went both ways. Um, there is uh, a, there's a, 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 whiskey, a whiskey man that you probably know, uh, Jameson, as in John Jameson, not, oh. not Joe Jameson. But Jameson, <laughs> John Jameson, was a Scotsman. Yeah. Uh, don't tell the Irish. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he, went, he made his name. He made his name in Ireland, uh, and, and uh, so um, so something good went out of that, right? Um, so this is this is the Alcantara. Oh, uh, pronunciations. The first whiskey single malt we tasted was what? Bomore. Like a like. Some more, but more. Some more, but more. All right. And this one is pronounced. Alkentoshen. Yeah, some people good. think it's the German whiskey. Alkentoshen. <laughs> <laughs> and then the French one is Lafroig. Uh, but uh, yeah, Alkentoshen. And if you have a hard time pronouncing it, just think Sean Connery. Alkentoshen into the river much easier than you <laughs> Okay. <laughs> You'll never forget that one. Uh, how to it. So, uh, so that is uh, the three wood, a beautiful, beautiful maturation. The bourbon, the Oloroso sherry, the PX cask. This is a lovely, uh, in some ways, this is more of a, an after dinner, a nice dark piece of dark chocolate or a cigar. Um, goes beautifully, it pairs well with a lot of different flavors. It also pairs well with more Alkentoshin. Uh, <laughs> which uh, we're not doing. No, we're, we're moving on to our next one is... Is the manzanilla, the ah, Bowmore manzanilla. Yes. So we have a treat for you. Um, uh, our next one here is going to be uh, Bowmore, 18-year. Uh, this is part of the new Vintner series. Um, we had a mix-up with the delivery, but fortunately Joe had a bottle in his car. So... Um, <laughs> So he's emergency manzanilla, man. Uh, yeah, that's true. Good job! Oh, yeah. You're welcome, you guys. I did it for you guys. I know where he parked, but. <laughs> so this is about the halfway point. How are we feeling having the, the sherries and the whiskeys side by side? It gives you a whole different perspective, and if anything, it helps your palate develop a little more, a little mm -hmm. more quickly. Mm -hmm. We good, everybody's? Yeah. Everyone has the whiskey, everyone has the sherry. Everyone's good to go? Okay. Right. Here we go. Bring it back, guys. So, guy walks into a bar with his pet octopus. Stop me, you heard this one. Throws the octopus up in the bar, says $100 for anybody who can give my pet octopus an instrument he cannot play. Okay, very good. One guy at the end of the bar pulls out his trombone. Throws it up onto the bar, the octopus picks it up, slides it up and down a couple times, cleans out the spit valve, goes into a rousing rendition when the scenes come marching in. Cool. Another guy at the other end of the bar pulls out his banjo, the octopus picks it up, tunes it up, goes a little bit of foggy mountain breakdown. Bartender's been watching this, okay, very good. Goes in the back room, comes out, throws a set of bagpipes up onto the bar. Octopus picks him up, looks at him, puts it back down again. His owner turns and looks and says, well, what are you waiting for? Play the bloody thing. The octopus turns and looks and says, play it. To figure out how to get his pajamas off, I'm going to screw it. <laughs> okay. All right. We've got to keep things light. We don't want to get too serious here. This is no serious Scotch yeah. tasting here. Um, we've got a, a real treat for you this evening um, with the uh, this Beaumore. Uh, this is a, a new release for us at Beaumore. This is part of what's known as... Uh, the Vintners Trilogy. Um, we were talking about uh, the number one warehouse at Beaumore, 
which is a very unique, the, the number one vaults, very unique uh, environment for the whiskies to age in. Uh, and uh, so we've been playing around with some different casks uh, to see what they would produce. Um, and there is, uh, this is the 18-year uh, Manzanilla, 13 years in bourbon, and then we put it into a Manzanilla cask for an additional five years. Uh, the second of the series is a 26-year uh, Beaumont, 13 years in bourbon, and then the additional 13 years in a Chateau Lagrange Bordeaux cask. And then the 27 of the Vintner series is a, uh, the, the third one is a 27-year port, ca uh, port cask, spent the whole time in the port. So uh, keep an eye out for those, and again, maybe we'll, next time we see you, we'll be tasting on, on those ones as well. But uh, Manzanilla, uh, the influence of the Manzanilla, as I was saying, San Luca de Barameda, uh, the western of the uh, point of the triangle, this is uh, along the coast. Um, and so it doesn't allow uh, it doesn't allow the floor to develop as heavily as you're going to find uh, with the the sherry that's coming uh, out of Jerez. Um, real bright um, citrus notes, but also uh, uh, some nutty notes to it as well. Um, I think that this is kind of a nice palate cleanser for us as we are working our way through through this uh, through this evening here. Um, so. Uh, so here's the, the, have a nose of the manzanilla. I don't know about you guys, but I would love some almonds and olives with this right now. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, so uh, here's, a, here's, here's the toast. Um, and uh, it goes something like this. Willie brewed a peck of malt, a Robin Allen came to pre. Three blither hearts that leeling now, you wanna found in Christendy. Uh, we're not food, we're not that food, just a dropping ID, the cock may crow and the day may daw, but we'll still drink our barley three. Now, for those who didn't understand the word, I'll translate. <laughs> and it goes like this. Willie brewed some damn fine scotch. And Robin Allen came to taste it. Once uncorked, the friends confessed, not a drop will be wasted. Oh, we're not drunk. We're not that drunk. Just a little tipsy. The day may dawn, work may call, but we'll still drink our whisk manzanilla. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> shit. <laughs> Cheers. Manzanilla. So then what's the difference between this 18 and the oh, traditional Beaumont yes. 18? So the question came up, we do have a Beaumont 18, uh, but that uh, com compared, uh, well, there's actually a couple different 18 years, but it gets a little cold. Uh, it's using a combination of bourbon and sherry casks. Uh, it's a higher proportion of sherry casks, um, but uh, we're going to marry 18-year bourbon and sherry casks um, uh, for the, the standard 18-year Beaumont which you'll see on most back bar, definitely see here. Um, so, so lovely light, fruity. Yeah, it's an aperitif sherry. This is something that you would drink uh, before a meal. It's um, it's light, it's beautiful. It's like you said, palate cleanser. And I think you get, you get a little brininess on here um, that really complements the Beaumont. And um, the I think I think it's perfect for that for that sort of like combination of salty sweet um, with with this. So, more, you'll notice that uh, the early distilleries were, when whiskey was legalized in 1823, all of these distilleries are located right by a waterway, uh, all contortion by the River Clyde, and all of the Isla distilleries today, except for one which is only 11 years old now, Kilcoman, all the rest are located on the sea, uh, because those were the highways of the day back then. Uh, it wasn't until the roads improved and the railways came in in the latter half of the 1800s the distilleries were then literally building alongside the railway lines. Uh, but so the, the sea is a, a very important part of, uh, how, of the whiskey, um, uh, getting uh, the grain in and getting the, the whiskey out. Um, we drink a lot in Scotland, um, but uh, I found uh, historical evidence that you Americans drink as much as we do. Um, and I found it in the form of a ship's log. Uh, the USS Constitution, do you know it? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's known as Old Ironsides. It's a combat vessel that's still uh, stationed uh, across the harbor from Boston uh, in Charlestown. Um, and it's a combat vessel that carries 48,000 gallons of fresh water. And that's enough for sustained operations of six months at sea uh, for uh, a crew of 475 officers and men. She carries no freshwater evaporators, no distillers. However, let it be noted that according to the ship's log, 
July 27, 1798, the USS Constitution sailed from Boston with a full complement, 475 officers and men, 48,600 gallons of fresh water, 7,400 cannon shot, 11,600 pounds of black powder, and 79,400 gallons of rum. <laughs> Wait, here's, here's the best part. Permission to destroy and harass English shipping. Oh, that's the best. Making Jamaica, uh, 6th of October, she took on 826 pounds of flour and 68,300 gallons of rum. <laughs> then she headed for the Azores, arriving there 12 November, where she provisioned with 550 pounds of beef and 64,300 gallons of Portuguese wine. <laughs> on the 18th of November, she set sail for England and in the ensuing days, defeated five British men of war and captured and scuttled 12 English merchantmen ships salvaging only the rum aboard each. <laughs> By 26 January, her powder and shot were exhausted. Nevertheless, although unarmed, she made a night raid up the Firth of Clyde in Scotland. Her landing party captured a whiskey distillery <laughs> and transferred 40,000 gallons of single malt scotch aboard by dawn. <laughs> then she headed home. USS Constitution arrived in Boston 20 February 1799 with no cannon shot. No food, no rum, no wine, no whiskey, and 38,000 gallons of stagnant water. Wow. USA. I did the math on this. Total spares consumed 252,000 gallons with a crew of 475 men over 210 days. Total spirits consumed per person 530 gallons. Spirits oh consumed per person by per day, two and a half gallons. What? Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, we have some work to do. Uh, but it just goes to show you, it's good for your constitution. Oh, that's a... No, no. So, no, no. Um, but uh, we do have a toast. And this is to the Beaumont. For there's no foe like fear. And there's no friend like cheer, and sunshine will flash at our call. So let's crown love as king, and let us all sing. It's a mighty good world after all. I, I say you use all five senses when we're drinking the whiskey. We take a look at the beautiful amber bead of the, the color of the spirit. And then you nose it, you get all those beautiful aromas. There's the mouthfeel of the whiskey on the tongue, in the mouth, the taste. And then there's that sound of silence as you're enjoying one of the finest spirits in the world. I, and this whiskey, I love this Beaumont. I think it's a, a great addition to the range. Um, and uh, the, the sweetness, there's, uh, you're almost get, there's almost, for me, it's pulling out some orange, uh, Seville orange. Uh, zest on this one here. Just a lovely, lovely whiskey. 13 years bourbon, another five years in a manzanilla cask. Right. I was going to say the silence after each of the tasting, uh, each of the pairings, I should say. And I think that's pretty rare, especially considering how we're drinking, you know, a bit of whiskey. Usually guys are big and rowdy, but it's appreciation. I think the sherry brings in a little bit of <laughs> so, should maybe do this more often. It's, it's almost as if we're in church. Well, and, and, and certainly it was, uh, you know, Ushkaveha, the water of life. It was the, the Irish monks that de developed the, the, uh, the distillation techniques. Uh, whiskey was, uh, barley was naturally fermenting the field. And when they then boiled that fermented barley, the liquid it produced, when it, they drank it, it created this rather ethereal effect. Uh, it, in essence, brought you closer to your God. Um, so, uh, with that said, we are going to bring you closer to your God with a little bit of Lafroig next. There we go. So, we have to... So, for those of you who have not had Lafroig, this is going to be a little different. A little more peat to it, but... Peat, you may, you ask. Does anyone have the whiskey and the fortified wine? Yes. Good. Fortified wine. Yes, yeah, so that was a yes. Yeah. So, um, so, guys, we've had a... a, a 
a good good opportunity. Right, Meanwhile, back in yes. back on back on the island of Madeira. Yeah, so um, we've we've been able to taste a, a three different styles so far of sherry, which really range in flavors. I think, as you can see, um, if you look at the climates of Isla and um, and Jerez, they're actually quite the opposite. About 310 days of sunshine on Jerez and about 310 days of rain on Isla a year. So quite, quite, quite opposite. You go further south, slightly off the coast of Africa, you have the island of Madeira, um, which is part of Portugal. So um, Madeira, it gets a little bit more rain than uh, Jerez. And what you have there um, is a style of fortified wine that really developed because of practicality. Um, these were barrels of wine that were being shipped from Portugal, from the island of Madeira, all the way up uh, to, to England and the UK. And over that long sea voyage, the wine would start to get cooked inside the barrel, it would start to heat up. And when, when it arrived at its destination, they discovered that it had this kind of unique, kind of toasty, nutty quality. Um, and, and I think as you kind of start to nose this, this Madeira here, you'll start to feel like this was on a, feels like it was on a, a, a sea vessel making a long journey. And so now they don't obviously put these barrels on boats to, to get that effect. They have modern methods of, of heating up the wine inside the barrel to give that same effect as if it were making that long sea journey. So with a sea journey, what kind of same, same effect of what goes together grows together, what grows together goes together. I think Lafroig paired with this Madeira is absolutely magical. Um, and uh, yeah, why don't we, uh, do you have anything to add on the, before we yeah, know the, the, the two exports off the island of Madeira are Madeira and, <laughs> and bananas. So it gives you a, a sense of that this is a tropical island, an old volcanic island that... Um, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, but John Campbell, was very, our distillery manager, was very interested, experimenting with different casks to see what they... And he loved the idea of a, 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 a toasted, a, a almost smoky, fortified wine cask um, aging uh, our Lafroy in that. But first, we should try, try the, the Madeira yeah. first. Um, so, we need a toast? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, uh, this is what my grandfather taught me. He goes like this. Here's to us, nay like us, God dead. And that translates to here's to us. There's nobody else like us. God damn the rest. <laughs> <laughs> Did this surprise folks on the Madeira? Because... Uh, um, th th there can be a range. There are ranges of styles of Madeira. The the sweetest being what they call the Malmsey style, which is almost like um, a PX, a Pedro Jimenez style in its sweetness and its viscosity. But this is this is a little bit more medium, kind of mid range in terms of the sweetness. Um, but uh, so let's now move to the Lafroig. Now, what you'll find with Lafroig, and um, Joe was mentioning it earlier, John Campbell likes to use uh, eight-year Lafroig as a foundation. He feels that's kind of the classic profile, the, the, the base of a lot of the whiskey. So the, the uh, Karchus bottlings, uh, and this is the 20, uh, uh, 20 16. 16 bottling. You'll know the... For the most part, you'll know the year of the Karchus because the last two digits uh, of the strength of the whiskey is the year it was bottled. So this is 51.6. Now, the 2017 bottling uh, veered off that because um, Friends of Lafroy had asked for a cask strength uh, quarter cask. So that's what that is, and that's a 57.2. Uh, but this year's Fino finish uh, Karchus will be bottled at what? 51? 51.8. 518, because this is the 18. Um, so, uh, but, uh, so it retains those younger Lafroigs. It retains a lot of the smoke, a lot of the peat. You know, we've, we've burned in the peat before. Um, peat has restorative value. Um, it, um, they have found human remains in peat bogs centuries old because it's, a, it's an organic environment, uh, oxygenless, uh, that uh, if something falls into it, um, it will preserve uh, anything that falls into it. Um, they found human remains, clothing, hair, nails, completely intact. So there is an, uh, an element of preservation in the peat that keeps you young. I should know, I'm 75 years old. Uh, so, so with that said, we have to have a toast. Um, 
And this is a toast called The Preservation of Man um, and Woman. So, the horse and mule live 30 years and know nothing of wines and beers. The goat and sheep at 20 die with never a taste of scotch or rye. The cow drinks water by the ton. At 18, the cow is mostly done. The dog at 16 cashes in without the aid of rum or gin. The cat in milk and water soaks, and then in 12 short years, she croaks. The modest, sober, bone-dry hen lays eggs for nogs and dies at 10. But ginful, sinful, scotch-soaked men for survive for threescore years and 10. And some of us, though mighty few, stay pickled till we're 102. <laughs> to 102, ladies and gentlemen. Slash. Oh, this is a... Now we're back in the bog, and we're happy about it. But there's also um, there's a, some, like, red fruit notes with this one. Now you're getting the influence of that Madeira um, playing with the, the smoke and the salinity of, of the Laphroaig. Um, it's just a really interesting uh, uh, juxtaposition of, of the two different types of casks, the bourbon and, and the Madeira casks. Yes, question. Yeah, please. Yeah, I'll see. Yeah. So, 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 say again. What is the other? What are the other whiskeys that go into it? What are the other So, uh, that's it. It's just an eight-year uh, in the bourbon for eight years, uh, and and then we transfer it over to a Madeira cask. For, uh, for about two years. So it's been sitting in the Madeira for two years. And you'll notice, and uh, they've got a great selection here uh, at Seven Grand, uh, the, uh, the Karchus, different years, different labels. Uh, so uh, we, we do... Have two. A, pardon? We have two. You've got two? We have uh, this one, which is the 2016, and then we have the 2015 edition. The 2015 um, <clears throat> is the 200-year-anniversary bottling, uh, what that one is, to give you a little background on it, John Campbell wanted to create a, a Laphroaig that was uh, evocative of the early years of, of Laphroaig. Um, oh, that's as one a there. turquoise so, blue-green label as opposed to the Madeira. Right. And so what that is, is he, it's 100% floor-malted barley uh, from our floor maltings. Normally about 20% of our barley comes from the floor maltings. He distilled it in our small spirit stills, which are... A thousand gallons. They're the original size when whiskey was legalized back in 1823. And then he aged it um, in the number one warehouse, which is uh, that warehouse right on the ocean uh, that you see that kind of that classic photo of Laphroaig. The, the warehouse is right there. And so uh, and where it spells out Laphroaig um, on the side of the warehouse, uh, that whiskey came from uh, right behind the G there, which apparently is the sweetest place in the warehouse. <laughs> well, people have a hard time finding it, but um, <clears throat> we found it okay with that. <laughs> it was a, sort of a joke. <clears throat> in fact, it was, we like to toast a lot in Scotland, and we're very competitive about our toasts. <laughs> Um, so Jimmy's at the local pub. He's got, oh, I got a toast, I got a toast. Here's my toast. Here's to spending the rest of my life between the legs of my wife. And he wins best toast of the night. Goes home to his wife. I won best toast of the night. Oh, really? Did you? What was it now? Um, um, here's to spending the rest of my life in church beside my wife. Aww. Very nice, very nice. So the next morning, she's in, their vill in the village doing her shopping. One of Jimmy's pals from the night before Caesar goes up to us. Hey, hey, Jimmy. <laughs> he won best toast of the night last night, huh? huh? She says, yeah, I don't understand it. He's only been there twice in the last two years. First time he fell asleep. Second time I had to pull him by the ears to make him come. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're digressing. <laughs> Lafroig made me do it. So, um, <laughs> we're starting to wrap up here. Um, uh, we uh, want to thank you for, and, uh, and Joe, um, for uh, 
uh, for joining us here this evening and the folks here at Seven Grand and, and the Jackalope here. This is a great little room. We love coming here. We love sharing our whiskeys with, uh, with all of you. Um, please, please come and visit us in Scotland. Um, we will uh, welcome you with a, 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 an open hand and a dram in the other. Um, and uh, so we'll, we'll send you off with this. <coughs> of all the money that e'er I spent, I spent it in good company. And of all the harm that e'er I've done, alas, I've done to none but me. And all I've done for want of wit, to memory now I cannot recall. So fill to me the parting glass. Good night and joy be with you all. Of all the comrades that e'er I'd had, they're sorry for my going away. And of all the sweethearts that e'er I'd had, they'd wished me one more day to stay. But since it falls unto my lot that I should rise and you should not, I will gently rise and I'll softly call. Good night and joy be with you all. Good night and joy be with you all. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget. Drink to remember. <laughs>